Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brownie Points Guide to Cinema Star Wars bonus episodes. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And in these exclusive episodes, we are recapping all of the live-action Star Wars films leading up to the release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Nick, what is the film we have watched for this week's episode? Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, the first of the standalone non-main story movies that Disney has made. I mean, technically the first based on... uh, like when it was released, but really solo chronologically is before this. It's semantics, really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Like Nick said in our intro, we are covering Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. This was the second film under Kathleen Kennedy's reign of Disney slash Terror. <laughs> Disney slash Lucasfilm movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was uh, the first of the anthology films of which we do not know if we're going to get any more after what they call thanks movie we reviewed last week. Yeah, since they considered Solo a flop which is kind of their own fault, but we've already addressed that before. <laughs> it's it's their own fault, but they just, they're looking at everyone else and they're like, you! Yeah, <laughs> it's the Rick and Morty meme. Well, oh, look at me, he wrote me into this. Well, oh, that guy over there, he wrote me into this. <laughs> 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 but yes, uh, we already covered that one in our last episode, Solo. This time, it's Rogue One. And coincidentally, it had its own little production issues that occurred as well that we can get into later. But first, I just want to address the reappraisal, what we thought about this film, watching it for presumably second, third, maybe even fourth time. Um, Nick, I'll let you start. What was it like for you rewatching this film? Uh, I Of the Disney movies, this is the one I've seen the most of. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen it. Um, it's not like the other Star Wars ones. Um, but... Uh, it is the one I've seen the most, so nothing really, like, and, like, like reviewing it in, like, a critical sense this time, nothing really stood out to me, um, compared to the other times. It's still my favorite. Um, I give it a full, uh, full pan with sprinkles, although, um, there are issues I have with it. Um, there's times where the fan service is kind of, like, that feels really crammed in there. Um, and the beginning of the movie, um, has always been kind of like, kind of a subject of like, this is okay, but it could have been improved. Um, the end of the movie is fantastic. Um, it has one of my favorite scenes of all time in movie history in it. Um, which we'll talk about later, but, um, I really like it. Um, it's one of those ones where... Uh, I, I, I think this shows what Disney, like if they really like put effort into it and maybe not just like force a movie out, like in solo where it's like, oh yeah, he got his blaster because, and he just started gargling and now he speaks to Chewbacca and his name is solo because that's just what a guy in the empire said it was. Uh, and this one, it's really like, um, really well thought out well-developed, 
well constructed so there's some issues in it um but again it's not like a dumpster fire like solo was where it's like yeah you're just doing fan service the movie and you you're just saying these things that he got or is just because in this one it's like no like there's a there uh there's a legitimate threat this is this is honestly the first movie where i can remember thinking the empire is a legitimate threat to the rebels um atmosphere wise it's a very not a scary movie but like the world they live in is a very scared world there's a there's a believable level of just general tension like it does feel like it is very it is very believably oppressed yeah it definitely is very believable that this is uh under the empire's shadow and their reign and i i give that the exact same compliment i thought the film um i mean i'll let you finish your thoughts uh if uh, that that really that that kind of concludes it okay i i do concur i also give this a full pan of brownies with sprinkles and uh on our scale if uh you're not familiar with our other episodes our regular episodes then of the show, why are you listening to a bonus episode but <laughs> yeah um a full pan of brownies with sprinkles is uh an incredible film if not an outright masterpiece a pretty good film is a full pan of brownies a so-so 50-50 is a half pan. A pretty mediocre over, overall bad film is a single brownie. And an outright dumpster fire is so bad you don't get a brownie. It is a cookie full of raisins, uh, which is not <laughs> the case this week. Thank God we've had some movies that are close Looking to that you, bad before. Solo. Actually, no, wait, I said brownie. Never mind. <laughs> looking, at, looking at you, uh, Attack of the Clones. I hate sand. Um. <laughs> I hate sand. Um, but no, oh, like man, you... you're so beautiful. <laughs> um, I just want you to listen to my poetry. Am I getting through to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hayden Christensen and Nicholas Cage are Hayden Nick Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Cagerson. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I, like I was saying, I'm with you. I give this fan- movie a full pan of brownies with sprinkles. I, I, I'm very inclined to put this um, up with how I put the I want to put this up there with other films as my favorite Star Wars film. I'm not going to do that right now, though. But so far, this is my favorite Star Wars film that we've watched so far. Like if we wanted to pretend that we were watching these all for the first time, this is single handedly the best Star Wars film. I think it's incredibly through, emo- through what we through what we've reviewed. Well, strictly through what we've rewatched, and and I was saying, let's pretend that we never saw yeah. any of them before. This is hands down will, the best. I will agree with that, because uh, I, I, I think we both agreed that our favorite uh, other one so far is Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith. I will say this is better than Revenge of the Sith. Oh, easily. This is easily better than Revenge of the Sith. Like, as much as I was praising that more than you did, like, I give even more praise to Rogue One. I praised it. It's just, it's got issues right but no this needs therapy for (laughs) but yeah just again strictly thinking about this film like uh it's it's very very emotional um i actually was getting choked up watching the end again and this is honestly like my fourth time watching this and that ending still gets me choked up um the the acting is phenomenal i thought the cast is it bad if i get choked up at the vader scene because i'm like it's so beautiful <laughs> I had not quite the He's same emotion. He's slaughtering them like animals. It's so beautiful. 
I'm not one to judge what gets one person emotional or not. Um, I I think. <laughs> well, that... also, this is coming. This is coming from the guy who constantly talks about some some ridiculous like body horror movie where they like they cut off his leg, and then my comment is, I laughed really really hard. The fact that you thought Killer Joe was the funniest movie of 2011 says more to you. I did not think it was funny. I was laughing. I was like, I'm uncomfortable. What is happening? Uh, This is my defense mechanism is to laugh it off and repress. Repress the memories. Push push them down. Make it stop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can see. It makes sense why you had that for Vader, Blake, but... I was more of the actual like, I don't know. It 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 gave me actual like, it, I don't know. Like I was saying, it got me actually very emotional watching the way it does end. Which I mean, well, screw it. It's spoiler territory. We don't have spoilers for this one. Um, they die. Yeah, no All one of makes them. that. Everybody dies. If you don't see them, and if you don't see them in any movie other than this movie, like in any, at any point, they're dead by the end of this movie. Yeah, and I, I, I admire, Dis- as much as we've ripped Kathleen before, I admire that she allowed the film to actually this? have this ending. I think that was the you, smart choice, the well, right choice. You made you made an interesting comment, and it's it's something that, you know, I thought about, but I didn't really give much much credence to um, until you said it, because I know you're kind of the, like, more like, look up what happened in the movie type person. When you said you're convinced there was an R-rated cut, that they had to reshoot so they could get it down to PG-13 because something that I really like it's pointed it's pointed out in every review of this movie but it's it's something I really like but I will criticize the movie for not doing further is it shows you know it shows what you know war really is you know the Star Wars has this one thing and we talked about it with Revenge of the Sith where it shows the good guys the Jedi's the Republic the Rebellion they're they're so good, they're supposed to be, like, no folly in them. And the bad guys are so evil, there's no point to anything they say. It's just evil and they're corrupt. And uh, Revenge of the Sith, we talked about a lot of stuff that was taken out of the movie where maybe it was going to kind of muddy what the Jedi were doing and maybe prove the Sith a little bit right, but they were like, we can't do that. Yeah. This movie starts off an idea like that where uh, they have... Um, I don't remember the character's name that much, but it's the ma- it's the male lead in the movie, uh, Cassian. Oh, Cassian Andor, duh. Uh, where he just kills a guy because he's like, I got the information from him, and he's only gonna slow me down. And if he gets captured, he'll give up. He'll give up like information on me. So he shoots the guy. This is the introduction to the male heroic lead in the movie. Is he murders a man in cold blood because? Well, if he's not alive, he can't he can't get me killed or ruin what I'm doing. Or if he's dead, he can't do that. And then later yeah. on in the movie, when they have Jenner, like they get Jenner so on their side, and they're like, all right, well, we're gonna go after her father. When the one guy pulls Cassino aside again and goes, hey, there is no recovery mission. You find him, you kill him immediately. That that's something that a lot of war movies bring up, except for ironically, Star Wars is that if you have someone that's building a super weapon or maybe they're just a really good leader or something like that, th- sometimes the even if you're good, what you're fighting for, the best way to prevent that from happening is maybe you just take them out so that they can't do anything. It's, uh, what's the saying? You, uh, you nip it in the butt or something like that or you, f- yeah, you find yeah. the cancer and you, you 
uh, attack it. You don't just try and like slow it down. But in this movie, they're like, no, uh, he's a bat. Like he is going, he has, whether he wants to or not, he has the knowledge and capability to build a weapon with a laser in it strong enough to blow up planets. He's a, he's a threat to the safety of the, of the galaxy. Get rid of him. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, wish, agree. I wish they would have kind of taken it further, but, um, I don't really see what else they could have done in the context of what's in this movie, but I wish it would have been explored a little more kind of the gray area that the Republic is operating within. Well, I mean, credit where credit is due. It does a pretty phenomenal job of really making this as a more realistic actual war movie. Like this isn't yeah, like the Clone Wars. Those, those, move, those moments stand out in terms of, cause like you will remember when he killed the innocent guy and when he was ordered to kill the, kill the scientist who they thought maybe didn't want to help the empire, but whatever, kill him anyway, because he has, he has the possibility of doing this. Well, Evelyn, how ruthless uh, Ben Mendelsohn's commander is as well. Like there is not any real glimmer of hope in this film until the absolute very end. And like the couple moments where Mads is talking to Felicity Jones, um, like through the video chat, like otherwise this is arguably like, more dark than revenge of the sith if this you really is, think about the, it this is the bleakest star wars movie like i i think revenge of the sith is the darkest because of what it puts the characters through this is the bleakest in terms of the outlook and hope for the world where it's like no dude like you're you're going to suffer and you're going to die and the bad guys will be in power and then through the movie they're like wait we found this little ray of light yeah this movie really leans into the saying um uh, the, the, what's, so you're what's saying the, there's a chance. <laughs> no, not that. Not that. The, um, <laughs> um, uh, the something is, the something is coldest right before the sun comes out, something like that. Oh, the darkest is, or the dawn is, or the night is darkest just before the dawn. Yeah, the night is darkest just, just before the dawn. If you wanted to sum up this movie in a single sentence, that is it. Because this yeah. movie is so. Like, all the characters are so muddied in this morally. Like, there's no... I mean, there is that distinction between, like, Empire and not the Empire, but that's really it. It's not, like, the Rebellion and the Empire. Like, these guys have to be coaxed into end up joining the Rebellion. Like, they all have their own agendas. they They have someone telling them, my father admitted he was building this rumored super weapon and it will be able to destroy planets, and he told me how to blow it up. And people have to be convinced the thing exists. Yeah, they're the only person with the like, strong. That, the... that to me is because the big thing that Star Wars, one of the big things Star Wars takes influence from is World War Two. And to me, the de- you know, I, when I first saw Star Wars, I was like five. I didn't know what nuclear bombs were because I was five. What five year old knew there's nuclear bombs other than ones that play Call of Duty? But, um, <laughs> but had I watched Star Wars for the first time where I was this age, I probably would have put together that the Death Star isn't a, is like the atomic bomb of this galaxy. So if you really think about it, if someone came up to you and said, hey, they made something capable of leveling an entire city with one bomb you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's no there's no way there's a bomb that powerful. And then, like, Nagasaki and Hiroshima would have happened, and then you're like, okay, yeah, I believe it. We better make sure we never use these again. And this, 
it's one of those things where it's like there's no way they made something capable of blowing up entire cities and planets and then you see you see what happens on Jetta. and I, the thing i like is i like how darth vader in that one scene goes we're saying that it was a mining accident and you shouldn't have done what you did and then it's like oh my god they are literally so powerful that they could just be like no it's a mining accident we have evidence that it's a mining accident kill the guy saying it's not that honestly is more believable on like a betrayal of politics and things like that than anything that we saw in the prequel trilogy up to this point like <laughs> oh my god yeah like I, george i hope you i hope you watch this this actually explained politics better than your three movies of just talking did Oh, especially with the whole chain of command, like, um, Ben is just like, my people have created this. And then, um, General Tarkin's just like, okay, I'm going to assume command now. Wait, 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 what? Like, (laughs) man, that's... I liked, um, the, and the, the thing I liked, uh, about that character dynamic is it, it goes, it kind of culminates in that Vader scene is when Tarkin's like, no, I'm taking control of it. And, uh... Ben's just screaming and like you you stand here claiming responsibility for what I did and my accomplishments and then when he talks to Vader and Vader is like you know uh says something where he goes well, so you're saying I'm still in charge I love Vader's pause because in his head you know he's going he's literally saying the Michael line from the office like I don't care you both report to me I don't care about hierarchy you report to me I have a galactic empire to run <laughs> and I, dude I love dude every like every line in that scene is literally a verbal pimp slap <laughs> like when he starts choking because don't choke on your aspirations I'm like you got served son oh okay I that, if, if I have any one complaint I thought Everything else in that scene except that one line was really good. Like, oh, I loved it. I kind of I oh dude I I rolled. I was just like, really a pun, really like, <laughs> you're Darth Vader. Come on. <laughs> it's well, it just came across so much like that as you wish line from A New Hope where he just releases the guys. Oh wait, we haven't seen that movie. Never mind. Um, oh oh come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when he releases the guy from the chokehold, he's like, as we're, you wish, and he says it so sarcastically. We're um, not we're not pretending this is the first time we've seen any of these movies. <laughs> man something else like that really just this movie just nails is at the end the war or the battle i'm sorry uh on foot solo did it did a really good job of this but the issue is they filmed it so so crappily you can't really see it is kind of these two movies finally nailed the desperation of war in a star wars movie well that's not necessarily a thing that would have been thought of in the other ones like the whole um hyper stylized heroics of like this is ultimate good versus ultimate evil and there's laser swords and like well this it's not supposed to be about the people on the ground like and that's what solo and the rogue one did do pretty well was actually put you on the ground and really make it nasty this this one too man you really get the feeling of this is their last effort hail mary if this doesn't works work everything's screwed that they've been working for oh a hundred percent yeah the the adrenaline that i get watching the end of this movie where it's like dude come on like i know they win and i or they succeed i'm still like come on man like uh is it k2so is the robot uh k2 i don't remember the rest of the acronym it's k2so 
Because I, I know there there is a K2SO in the series. I just couldn't remember if it was this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're right, K2SO. Played wonderfully, so, by the way, by Alan Tyduck. Um, guess what movie that he's probably most famous for? Or at least British? the movie I assume that you would know him from. Something British. I don't know. No, he's not British. He was the pirate in Dodgeball. <laughs> Yes. Dude, what if K2SO had a bandana and an eye patch? <laughs> RV Hardy's Yarg, You want to look for stardust? <laughs> you go to the captain's quarters. I will lead the ship. Like, or whatever. Um, I don't. <laughs> I, I just love his line of like, congratulations, you are being rescued. Um, oh my god, I've seen that turn into so many great memes. <laughs> when he is, uh, when he's helping them uh, hold off those stormtroopers. Like, his sacrifice, honestly, is one of the better sacrifices in a Star Wars movie, where it's like, oh, no, and you're like, that's a robot. See? Can we talk a little see, bit? See, of... Disney? This is how you make me care about a robot. You don't make it overly political for no reason. Yeah, it's it's something about... <laughs> Literally, the two movies we watch is how you make a robot correct and how you really screw it up. It's... the I, There's something in Alan's performance that is just so perfect. Like, it's... A, it, it comes off like as a robot, he, but he comes off like as an overly sentient robot. The other one in Solo comes across as just a human, but it's a robot. Yeah, this one is a robot that happens to speak like a human, where the other one is like, this is what we. I I don't know yeah, why she they has emotions. Well, it's really weird. Like in the last he, film, they his... might as well have just had Phoebe as a human instead of like being a robot, because that would have been a lot less distracting. Like yeah. Alan actually plays a robot that happens to have a voice module that makes him sound like a human. Yeah. Um, but his his robot sacrifice is really really good in the movie oh i um, yeah i love that every scene. every single like death of the main characters at the end of the movie I, the one that i think works the best other than k2so's is um uh the guy with like the belt fed machine gun backpack blaster oh um i'm spacing on that character's name too but yeah the one that's partnered with uh, donnie yen the blind guy yes um his sacrifice like or his death scene is honestly like the hardest one for me to watch out of out of them other than the robots just because i dude it's so moving how literal like last stand he is in that scene where he's just like shooting shooting him randomly uh, uh the other, like, I, I like the uh, uh, the pilots one too, like the way like the way the pilot and the way that the guy that I was just talking about with the with the blaster die staring at thermal detonators flashing ready to blow up and then like you're just waiting for the five seconds to end because you know you can't get away so you're just sitting there waiting for them to blow up is really like just the look in their face of just like this is my fate. Bummer. Yeah, um, I, I I finally have all the names up here. I should have had it beforehand, but um, but no, just just for the quick rundown for our sakes. Um, Felicity Jones uh, played Jen. Diego Luna was Cassian. Uh, we already said Alan Tydeck was K two. Donnie Yen, the oh my god, the amazing Donnie Yen from the the IP Man films. Uh, he was a uh, Trout. Wasn't he in uh that Kung Fu movie we watched earlier too, this year? 
Oh, um, which, wait, which, no, 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 that was Jet Li. That, you're thinking of Jet Li and Hero. No, I thought you said Donnie, because I thought you said he's from Star Wars in that movie. Donnie Yen? Yeah. Um, I might have, um, no, I don't, uh, if I did, I, oh, he was Sky. Oh, you're right, 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 yeah, he played Sky. He was the first guy yeah. that, yeah, you're right, no, he was the yeah. first guy that Jet Li fought. Yeah. Um, um, oh, that's so cool. We got Donnie in twice on the show so far. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Baze was the guy you were just speaking of, the one with the giant machine guns. And then uh, yeah. Riz Ahmed was uh, Bodhi, the pilot. Which, yeah. by the way, dude, Riz Ahmed had a real moment because of this film. Like, this came out, and he had this awesome HBO miniseries, The Night Of, come out at the same time. And, I mean, he hasn't really done that much since, but... There was a period in 2016 and 17 where it looked like he was just going to skyrocket like um, like uh, how Rami Malek, like he's gone from Mr. Robot to Bohemian Rhapsody to now being the villain of Bond 25. Like, yeah, it really felt like Riz was going to have that kind of moment. And I hope he I don't know. I hope someone gives him something high profile like this again soon because he was great. Yeah. Um, some cr- kind of criticisms of the movie, though the beginning there's cool stuff in it but at the very beginning they jump between planets so much i'm like i have a hard time following what's going on um the beginning's kind of scatterbrained and there's sometimes where they jump and i'm like you didn't need to jump you could have kept it here and it just wouldn't have got as as confusing um one thing i do want to point out i don't know if you noticed it but this is the first movie since the prequel trilogy uh, since Disney got it, because the pre the Disney tried really hard to distance itself from the tragedy that the prequels was, and this is the first movie to feature tech from the prequels in it. When uh, Jin Erso is on that wheeled transport, and then she gets broken out. Yeah. That trans that transport actually was a clone trooper like tank transport weapon from two episodes two and three. I and didn't the, notice the first the first time I watched this movie I went I in the theater I think I audibly went huh that's actually something from the Clone Wars and then just moved on from it and then I looked up trivia for this movie years ago and they're like this is actually the first time like Disney's like acknowledging that the clone the prequels happened yes I well I mean not so much to the prequels um because I want to talk about the other thing that you said too because it's worth going into about the opening but in terms of like the visual aesthetic in this film, um, well, okay, I'm gonna keep deviating. Um, I wanted to compliment before we moved on from the battle sequences, just like not just emotionally and tonally how dark they were. I just wanted to point out that how just outright brutal the violence was. Like so yeah. many practical effects where, where where bodies were flying around and like every time someone got shot, like it wasn't like exaggerated with a Wilhelm scream like they just fell like it really felt like we were watching like an actual like war movie but with lasers and in in this movie too you see people get shot and get wounded yeah this was like you like getting shot with a blaster in this movie is not a death sentence you can just be maimed and that happens everything's close up and handheld like um I wanted to uh, I'll bring up this is this is saving private Ryan of Star Wars and I want to dive more into that after we talk about the opening sequence too. Saving Private Urso. Um, 
Yeah, sorry, we're getting. Thankfully, it's not Saving Private Banks. <laughs> um, like, you and, know what? Let him die. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sorry, the little scatterbrained here, but um, I wanted to point that out. I also wanted to point out that um, it wasn't the prequel, the pe- the prequel specifically that I read about, but I remember reading that Gareth Edwards, the director, um, got to go through the Disney archives and or the Lucasfilm archives, and he like demanded with the art director to like make everything like as related to like four five and six technologically like as possible like yeah we don't, that's, i don't because it's 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 kind of nuts you know the the ending literally is you know princess princess leia's ship gets away and vader is is like so close to getting the plans back and then you can tell he clearly just goes back to his star destroyer says follow follow that uh Carillion uh, Corvette, and they put in the hyperdrive things, and then they just follow it too, and then Episode Four starts. Yeah, but it's it's like literally this movie ends, and it's like in five minutes Episode Four starts. Yeah, um, it, I mean that's a stroke of brilliance too, in in my opinion, to end it that way in terms of writing. But the, the getting back to what you were saying, like the visual aesthetics of it, like I really appreciate the fact that they stuck uh, artistically to like the T when it came to how uh, the ships looked, how the dashboards looked, how everything in the Death Star looked like. Yeah. Everything stayed so it's still tr- it's still got that 80s computer display. Yeah. Which is really they, just didn't, a... they didn't go like, oh, yeah, let's just put some LCDs in randomly. Like, no, nah, dude, they're they're tube computer screens. Oh, yeah. They're conventional tube monitors, uh, switchboards that are just pro uh, just aren't connected to anything. They just designed the lights to do whatever. But those are like actual yeah. like old timey uh, TV switchboards. And yeah, um, dude, did you notice when they launched the first death ray the first time, how eerily similar that looked to like how they had to have done the laser in the original 80s films like, like the shot the shot sequence like when they're in the tube where the laser actually goes through before it's into space and hitting the planet like where the guys yeah like, like it, it shows them like keying it up in the same camera angles and the, yeah it's um it, it the one thing i want to point out about the first time it's fired too is when they are watching it from the viewing station on the death star and you can watch it and I want to applaud the movie for this because it it's something that I find um, twistedly interesting about the movie is, you know, the higher ups of the Empire, their, you know, their weapons, exe- and especially for this, they're essentially like weapons manufacturer executives. So they find they made a weapon that's supposed to destroy at least a whole city and if not a planet it, it, with no effort. And they fire it for the first time, and they're watching the destruction. And I just love Ben's line when he goes, oh, it's beautiful. And I was like, that's how I actually would expect someone to react to it, is I don't care about the devastation. I achieved my goal, and it's so beautiful that it did it. Yeah, and they even say, like, oh, just use one of the chambers, or one of the whatever's. Like one of the one of the phases, like single phase, is what I think they're saying. Oh, right. right I think right. for the planet, I think it's like a two phase thing or something. But they're like, yeah, only only single phase, and I'm like, that's a heck of an escalation. <laughs> if you think about it, that's a heck of an escalation. If it really is just like, oh, just half power is a city, full power, it, a whole planet. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it could be like a, a exponential growth rather than just a times two type deal. Yeah, but 
I do agree with you there. Told you I studied physics and math. <laughs> well, from I the, know numbers. Well, um, again, that's that's more that's a more that's a better, more nuanced attention to detail in terms of like political behavior than anything that happened in the other films too. Like, yeah. <laughs> the um, getting back to um, getting back to the uh, the opening, I. I remember watching it the first time in theaters and agreeing with you to a certain extent that it kind of was a little disjointed and a little weird to, like, just jump it's between not, so okay, many different I, characters. I, I do want to make my point clear. It's not horrendous. It's, it is, like, my problem with the movie. Like, if it, if it would have continued that way, I probably still would have gave the movie, like, a half pan or maybe a full pan, but... It's just it, the first time I saw it in theaters, I was like, where are you going, movie? Well, you're all over the place. And then, like, at a certain point, it's like, all right, you're kind of starting to hone in. You're honing in even more. All right, you nailed it. Like, the what's yeah, funny once... is this movie's about the Death Star and how, like, it's created. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it needs dialed in and uh, perfected so that it works properly. And the start of this movie is the exact same way where it's like, all right, you're close. You're closer. You're even closer. You're close. You're right there. You nailed it. Like you're perfect right now. Yeah, it's definitely a little. I don't. I, I'm the more the subsequent times I've seen this film, I'm forgiving it more and more because maybe it's I do because too, I. But part of me thinks it's because I know where the movie's going. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. Was now that like in subsequent viewings, since I understand where it's going, like I feel like I see why it was edited the way it was. But at the same time, I can agree with somebody disapproves of that just like well the first 15 minutes are kind of all messy and jumbled up but once they get together the movie gets pretty great like yeah i don't but i don't i don't dock the movie that hard i mean like i said when i first saw it yeah like maybe maybe i'd still give it a full pan of sprinkles still but um i do agree it's especially when um the pilot just kind of comes out of nowhere with forrest whitaker while you're and then we're also intercutting between like the whole. Oh, I forgot whole... about Forrest Whitaker. I hate him in this movie. Okay, well let's um let's dive into that then a little bit. Like you really don't like Forrest Whitaker in this movie? And it, it's more of like the performance that his character is supposed to be giving, where like it's always like he sounds like he's holding back a yell, but it's also a whisper, and it's so everything is so important. It's like, man, were you a hype man for like a rapper? Like what? Why are you like this? I um, I kind of loved it, honestly. <laughs> I kind of really loved Forrest Whitaker in this movie. I like, I didn't really like him. Um, I didn't like the scene with like the tentacle brain probing. Um, the thing that will get the truth out of you, but also leave you mad. Like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, when did this become a '50s horror movie? Yeah. No, like, I when, actually I was like, when did this become James Bond? <laughs> like, why is this your interrogation method this sounds like a terrible idea yeah i i don't it, it doesn't bother me like that much like i can and it doesn't bother me that much because he spent so little time in the movie well he's I, really i get over it very easily well the creepy typical thing aside which i don't think is honestly that big an issue like i i honestly had a blast with like this prestigious actor that like we've only seen like in dramas and like he won his Oscar it, for playing a dictator and it, um, it, honestly that movie's great by the way I had to watch that for my psychology class but um, what it reminds me of is it reminds me of the scene where Luke goes in the cave in Empire where it's like 
Yeah, that scene's weird, and it completely stops the movie in its tracks, but the movie's so good, it picks right back up immediately. Yeah, it's it's definitely not great pacing in the beginning, but again, back to Forrest himself, I I kind of, like I keep saying, I really think he does a great job with this role. I just, seeing him, like, especially after the initial, like, uh, prologue of the movie, like, with him just so kind of, not, not quite senile is not the right word, but like, He's so he knows he's at the edge of his rope. He knows he's basically on borrowed time and just trying to hold on to that last little glimmer of hope that when he finally sees Jen again and then he believes I, the message that he has that the 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 rebellion can win and then that's save what the it, rebellion save the dream. And that's what how we can go out peacefully. He knows that he did everything that he I could. I, I, find, I, I The one thing I get, I understand people's criticism where they're like, he could have just walked with him on the spaceship, but I think it's more of like a, like a mental thing of like, I'm tired of running. I'm just, I'm so exhausted with this life. Just let me die. I did. I, I'm not going to really achieve much more. No, there's just nothing. Let, let me die. He knows there's nothing else he can do. He did everything that he could more or less like by keeping Jen alive, really that paying off more than anything. And yeah. he can just, he knows he believed that the plans were in good hands with her and that she would actually fulfill the mission to, I mean, I don't think he predicted that she died doing it, but <laughs> yeah. do you, um, do you have an issue speaking, speaking of, uh, him keeping her alive and him helping her become like the reason the rebels find out about the, the exhaust port. Do you take issue? Cause it, it is. Do you take issue with the retconning this movie does? Because really, wait, which retcon? So the, the retcon is, you know, in the in when they are, they debuted A New Hope, they say the thermal exhaust port, less than two meters wide, it's there. If you get a proton torpedo down it, it'll start a chain reaction that's going to blow the thing up entirely. And the joke forever has been, why on earth would they make that sort of design flaw? In this movie, Galen Urso, her dad goes, I hate what I'm doing. I, I hate that I've been forced to do it, so I, I devised a plan to put a flaw in it, and it's so it's such a big flaw that if you can do this one task, you can blow up the entire thing and kill everyone on it at the time it blows up. Oh, I see. I, I love that. I, I You using the word retcon threw me off because I usually use that for more of a negative connotation. But Well, because, well people, here's the thing. I personally, I agree with you. I actually really like that thought and idea. The thing is that thought and idea is, is honestly, it is really well thought out. I like that the person that designed the Death Star, that had that big of an influence on the Death Star, was so against designing it because he goes, I don't want to hurt and kill people. And then... Ben Millicent's like, oh, I got a white cape and I'm in charge. I'm partially in charge of the empire and I need you for this. And I, I have the military power to force you to do it and cause harm to your family and loved ones if you don't do it. And he basically like he becomes I, I want to say he becomes a slave, but I think he's treated better than a slave. But I, I more, like that. You can, you can be a I sl- like well, I, li- I like that the design flaw is a vindictive, you know, middle finger F you to the empire. But I will I will say that's a it's as it's as smart of a way to fix that issue with the first movie as they could because really in the first in the first movie before they established that that's a really dumb design flaw there's 
Like you just they're like, yeah, there's a hole that'll blow it up that we leave pretty unguarded. The only thing that I could see being a flaw that if I wanted to be really nitpicky with it is out of the other five like engineers that he was working with, were all six of them all the same? He was the smartest. They said he was one of the he was like the smartest man in the galaxy. Well, were all of them so uh on the same moral level that the empire is no, evil, man. that they them, all dude, missed the, the problem. It's, divi- it's, it's division of labor. One guy has to design the bathrooms. One guy has to design the bedrooms. One guy has to design the thermo nuclear laser. One guy has to design the windows. One guy has to, de- one guy has to get, make sure the paint works and that all the interior decorations, right. And one guy has to figure out a way to blow it all up. They just, it, it, their divisions of labor never cross. Would they all, it, it, really I'm the- stretching. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. Like I could, I could accept it. One way I would fight my own argument is that they all are on the same moral level and realize that they can work together to take down the Empire together by adding this flaw. But at No, because this... he admits he's the only one that knows about it. See, I call BS on that. There's no way in a whole division of scientists and engineers and architects and whatnot that Dan, one person— Dan, Dan, <laughs> back to what I was saying. The bathrooms had to be designed. Okay, but couldn't that— Some guy had to do that. They all have a degree, though. Where Checks they, and balances. <laughs> they all have a degree that could give that certifies they all having the same intelligence. Like the one time that they all see the master plans, one guy probably could have raised his hand and been like, "Um, I just got one question. Yeah, what's that hole there? Because from what I'm seeing, okay, this meeting's adjourned. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what's that hole there? It's the it's the station's butthole. <laughs> <laughs> it's its thermal exhaust port. That trench is its butt crack. It's, I have now ruined Star Wars for everybody. It's it's the garbage chute. Anyway. <laughs> the Death Star is a giant butt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I mean, I don't harp. I, 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 honestly, though, like, that's what a, I, I really, what I, I really like here's that. Here's how I can think to put, to put that question is, in this movie, no. And when the original, it, it's fine in this movie. It's still... It's still a flaw for the four, for episode four, but because this movie is technically a prequel for it and it fixes it, that's a strength for this movie is fixing a flaw from the other movie. How does the next engineer, though, that has to maintain the ship and run maintenance not eventually find that, though? Like... <laughs> he could find it, but the ship's already built. Okay, well, he fix it. Like... <laughs> that's more of an episode four problem, I guess, but like... <laughs> Again, that's what I'm saying is like it's all problems for episode four. Yeah, it's really not a problem for this movie. Yeah, I'm just see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I, I am kind of being hyperbolic, but I at the same time, I, I do. I did think about like all five of you didn't notice this problem before you all got massacred. <laughs> like not one of you guys wanted to be like, um, I don't know why he's in charge, but he made this problem. Like, <laughs> you know, what'd be funny is like if there's a scene like where they like where Luke gets the torpedoes in and Han's like, all right, kid, let's blow this thing and go home. And then they like shoot it. And then it's playing the music where it's like, dun, 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 dun. And it's like jumping around like Luke's face, the ship's flying away, target in the ship, the people uh, targeting the laser. It'd be funny if there was like one guy sitting at like a cubicle in the Death Star, like, hey, wait a minute. And then it blows up. Oh my God. <laughs> God, I hate that trope so much. Uh. Um, before I move on from it, though, I do want to give an enormous shout out to Mads Mikkelsen's performance because um, I told you off mic and I'll say it on mic. 
I have as an enormous mad man crush on him. Like who is who is Mads Mikkelsen? Uh, Jen's dad, Galen Urso. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, I my God, I love Mads Mikkelsen. He his, is his desperate like the one of the best acting scenes in this movie is his performance in the scene of him explaining the Death Star's flaw. Because it sounds so angry, so vindictive, so happy, so desperate, so sad, all wrapped into one at the same time. That's why he is the greatest, most, the greatest underrated actor that... It's, dude, he conveys an emotion that I'm not even sure people feeling it could genuinely convey. He's, he's perfect. I, there's no, no other way to put it. He's a perfect actor and he's got That's a perfect That's going to be voice. another shirt. It's just a picture of Mads Mikkelsen and it just says he's in quotation marks he's perfect and then dan brown no i'm gonna say a very controversial thing i think he's a better hannibal than uh than uh anthony hopkins i don't know why i almost forgot his name but <laughs> i think i thought you're about to i thought you're about to be like <laughs> i'm about to say something controversial anti-vaxxers <laughs> no oh god no <laughs> <laughs> let's get on that perch again Oh no! I I need a, I need a half a bottle of something before I can go down that road. No, <laughs> but no. Um, I think Mads Mikkelsen, his NBC show, uh, got canceled too soon. And if you haven't seen it yet, like um, like we did pseudo recommend the Last King of Scotland, uh, the Forrest Whitaker film that he won that an Oscar for. Great, I, dude! I love that movie. Yeah, I say see that. That's the one about Idi Amin, right? Yeah, that's what Forrest won yeah, his Oscar that one's for. Great. Um, also see um, this, um, I want to say Swedish film, um, I might have the country wrong, but this film that won Mads Mikkelsen Best Actor at Cannes, it's called The Hunt. He plays a teacher that gets accused of... No, Dan, The Hunt never got released, remember? The, the Well, The Hunt that did get released. <laughs> 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 Not nice. Um, no, the uh, it's from like 2015 or 14, but... Um, he plays a teacher that gets accused of sexual misconduct, and that's all I'll say. Go into the movie blind otherwise. Mads, one of the best actor performances I've ever seen was in that film. So, Speaking of speaking of fantastic things in movies, yeah, this movie reaps the benefits of the greatest obvious reshoots of all time. Oh. Darth Vader. <laughs> hold, hold on. Finish, finish your thoughts, and then I'll use this as a segue to talk about the actual reshoots that did happen with this movie. Because Dar- I remember when this movie was, like, in production, people were like, man, because it, it, it was on pace to be, like, the first Star Wars movie that didn't have a lightsaber get ignited in it. And Disney, like, you can tell the scenes with Darth Vader because the scenes he's in... He's only in two. Um, the one on Mustafar, uh, where it's literally him, his servant, and then uh, Ben Middleston. So clearly they're just like, all right, we only need these three people. And then he's in a scene with a bunch of extras slaughtering them. So they are clearly reshoots because he doesn't interact with any other main characters in the movie. Um, but his scenes are fantastic. Like the the look of fear on Ben's face when he sees Vader. That's that's part of the reason. You know, this movie really made me agree with the people petitioning. Like, if you want to give us these like solo character based movies, give us an R rated Darth Vader movie because I want to see the time frame where he's more rumored like a myth, and he's not known as like a, an actual force in the in the empire because you can see on ben's face when he walks out he's genuinely intimidated by this dark suited cloaked 
uh, cloaked and uh, caped man storming towards him, who's probably pissed off at him for what he did. Yeah, the 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 real the real muscle of uh, Emperor Palpatine, like yeah, and just the reputation around him, just sending shivers down anyone's spine. Um, Dude, that's that last scene. The first time I remember the first time I saw it, like. Oh, it's intense. I, it, that was a I, really intense moment. It's terrifying. It's the closest Star Wars has come to a horror movie where, like, uh, the lights go off and then you just hear the alarm going and you hear, the like, all of a sudden his respirator starts working after a bunch of, like, uh, groaning from the ship's metal. And then his lightsaber ignites and it's like, oh, dear God, they're not going to stand a chance, are they? Based on how violent the movie had been. And just literally like the lack of effort it took from him to just dispense of eight people. It's just like, that's impressive. That's unbelievably impressive that he's just literally like, Nope, throw your blasters here. You're pinned up against the, you're pinned up against the ceiling. I took your blasters from you. I cut you guys across the chest. I, uh, threw you to the roof and I slashed your stomach. I stabbed you. And then he just like walks up to the last guy, stabs him, flings the door open, and he's just like, "No, I'm coming. I'm gonna get the plants." And he's not running. He doesn't look urgent. He's literally like dispensing of them like they're rag dolls. I am the angel of death. The time of purification is at hand. Like, <laughs> this, this, it really. I'm not kidding, dude. This, it was brutal. This scene yeah, is is like I was smiling and like like Kelsey was sitting next to me. And I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Like. I love this scene. This scene is one of my favorite scenes in movie history. I remember I remember where I was the first time I saw it. I remember my reaction the first time I saw it. I it's a scene where like I will just like occasionally Google that scene and just watch it. I I don't I don't, I don't put it up there with you in that stratosphere, but yes, I do agree. That was a perfect way to cap- Sorry, artsy boy. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's a bad scene at all. I do agree. It's incredibly terrifying, and it's a good way to... It establishes, like, why everyone in the galaxy would be that terrified of him. Yeah, and it's not... I don't... I Anyone that says that's fan y versus some of the other stuff that happens in this film... It is like, the best fan service I've ever seen in my life, and those people can get over it. It's not fan service when it actually does a great job at setting up the sequel, which is IE... A movie that's yeah, already come out, like it's, it's it's not a wink at the camera. It's a hey, you're gonna want to watch this at the camera. Yeah, and like maybe maybe the exec maybe Kathleen Kennedy asked for that to be put in just so it was a more clear and Can obvious. Can you imagine like, her like wording that? So I want a scene with Darth Vader, where. He's in the he's in the dark. He's in a black suit. He ignites his lightsaber, and you can only see the silhouette of him from his light from the light his lightsaber is emitting. It's absolutely terrifying. And then he just starts like slowly marching down the hall, and these poor terrified human beings who are trying to save the galaxy and get back to their families realize that these are the last moments of their lives, and they are desperate for any reason not to die. Are slaughtered like crying baby animals. You got the you got the pitch right, but the wrong you got the pitch right, but the wrong person. That's Tony Gilroy when Kathleen Kennedy is like, uh, we need new ending. What better ending? <laughs> that pitch is amazing though. Just be like just like that brutal and blunt, you just sit there like just observing like and your rebuttal is. Yeah, no, like what I said to then your pitch to then Kathleen probably went, 
okay, here, blank check. Like, <laughs> I just see her being like, will it make us money? And guys will be like, <laughs> the guy's just like, this will be the scene that everyone talks about for Star Wars over the next decade. Yeah, it's... Um, everyone talks about that scene. Yeah, like, it, for good that reason. Is, that scene is probably the most talked about scene since Disney took over. Well, and the fact that it almost didn't happen, like... I'll use this to say yeah, that's that's the other crazy thing, too, is like how close we were to just not having that. Well, the, the exact details of like what exactly were changed are still fairly under wraps. I couldn't find any like definitive list of changes that were made. But since we've been talking or since, well, at least I've been alluding to it, um, the screen credit for a director on this film was Mr. Gareth Edwards, who up to this point was most famous for the 2014 Godzilla. And... Uh, the screenplay was credited to uh, John Cole and uh, Gary uh, Witta for the story, but then actual screenplay credit, which is the actual, like, it's uh, it's a whole thing. The actual screenplay credit went to Chris Weiss and Tony Gilroy. And why was I mentioning Tony Gilroy before, just a minute ago? Because after the original director's cut of Rogue One, was given from Gareth to Kathleen Kennedy and the other executives. They were not happy. For whatever reason, they did not enjoy Gareth's original cut of Rogue One and found a lot of problems with it. And Tony Gilroy was asked to come in and supervise the re-edit, but also do five weeks, roughly, of reshoots, which, according to everything I saw online... Um, was primarily focused on the ending of the film, like in the last third of the film, with other moments sprinkled in through the first two thirds, but it was primarily focused on tweaking the ending and just little things to help with the overall tone of the film. So he couldn't get a director's credit because Gareth made the movie, so they through arbitration they gave him a writer's credit and garrett still got the director's credit even though technically this cut of the film that we watched and will forever be the only copy of the film to see is technically not garrett's film it's actually tony gilroy's film which Hmm. um if you know tony gilroy um he made uh nightcrawler and uh michael clayton so um a, a phenomenal director in his own right um and it makes me personally wonder, like, how much of this is Tony's doing and how much is Gareth's doing? Because it's famous that the very, very first trailer of the film, I don't know if you remember it, I rewatched it right before we started taping. And it's not that the entire. a hell of a lot of false advertising. It's not that the trailer was. Didn't. It's not that the trailer was completely absent from the film but yeah a good 90 percent of that trailer was not in the movie <laughs> yeah like the I, I remember watching it in theaters and i remember the scene where the tie fighter like comes up to the podium and stares at uh Jin Erso, and i was like holy crap how's that gonna end and then like the scene happens in the movie and i'm like where's the tie fighter oh yeah that's not in the film um this really beautiful shot like from the ground up looking at a bunch of uh walkers with soldiers running at it it's not in it uh forrest whitaker almost has no hair in the trailer versus all the hair that he has in the movie um yeah there's a, i mean lot- something something interesting and it's not it doesn't have anything to do with the trailer but I, it, you talking about interesting stuff with this movie something that i find interesting is uh the kyber crystal stuff in the movie because 
it's it's kind of explained in other movies, but not really. Is it the, the um, crystals that make the laser fire? Is that what you mean? Yeah, those are the those are the crystals inside lightsabers. Oh, okay. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. So they're they're a crystal that is able to put out high amounts of energy, and I like that. You know, I don't want to say primitive because that's not really what I mean, but like the simplistic way that the Jedi and the Sith use them to make lightsabers, compared to the highly scientific and uh weaponized and manufactured way that the empire uses them to build a laser of death is honestly pretty interesting to me that they're like oh yeah we understand there's elements on here and we can in in this world and we can do so many different things with them it's not just this this crystal can only do this one thing yeah it like builds the lore of star wars a little better well adds adds to it yeah Yeah. i any kind of gripe with like film, uh, like a fan service, I just, I can, I can get it when you're talking about um, Solo, but I think Star Wars Rogue One or Rogue One a Star Wars there's, story. I mean, there's there's fan service in this movie where it's it's grown worthy, like the the inclusion of the guys from the bar on Tatooine. The uh, I don't know his name. I call him Buttface and Pigface, uh, <laughs> the one that gets his arm cut off. Yeah, um, and he says the literal same thing that he says in Episode Four. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I, when I every time I watch the movie, and even the first time when watching it, I remember seeing them the first time. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then they end up blowing up the city, and I'm like, did they get off planet in ten minutes? Because they look like they were going to a bar to get drunk. Yeah, I. Actually, that's actually funny that you say that because I didn't put two and two together. Like I after the after they leave screen, I literally forget every time that they're actually in the movie. Yeah, they should have yeah. died right then. <laughs> yeah, like that's you funny. O- you only see one ship get away from the planet, and it's the main characters. Yeah, that's a good point. They probably they probably did die. Like in this, reality, they probably would have died. <laughs> this movie, um, the th- uh, one thing I find. Uh, interesting about it in terms of like the expanded star wars products is around around or not around this time when disney got the rights to star wars they also put out a new battlefront game and they had ea do it and ea uh hoard that franchise out for more money than i don't know but uh, (laughs) (laughs) all that time for the setup and no payoff um Unlike what EA did with the Star Wars franchise and got a lot of payoff out of it. Um, <laughs> that's a long way to get to a joke. Um, but something I do want to uh, point out is when that one came out, they were talking about the integration of, you know, having not not like planet level to space, but like there's there's space there's spaceships fighting above the planet it's not in in space but there's also a ground battle happening and how like those affect each other and you can kind of see it in um uh force awakens a little bit but this was the second disney star wars movie you can really see it in this movie yeah and it's 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 very interesting to see how they integrate all that stuff together right no, that's I I agree. Um, before um, anything else, I feel like we've delayed this long enough. This elephant in the room that some people are probably wondering why is it taking you over an hour to get to this? Oh, we don't care about it that much. 
I yeah, it's we have to talk about it though before we wrap this up. Um, uh, General Tarkin, dude. There was digital de aging. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Yeah, we. The y- thing that's really interesting about him, though, when I watched it again, be- and I watched it with Leia and him. Please, I was please. looking to see if anything other than their head was digital. And I was having a really hard time telling if their clothes or their like body was a human or not. Yes, it was mocap. Um, I don't have the specific actor's name, but there was a guy on set that they put the dots on his face. They put a camera with a little light on it on the aimed at his face and they just did a. Uh, CGI face swap and they matched it to the dots on his face. And so then, this was a computer version of face off with Nicolas Cage? Pretty much. Like, it's not de-aging <laughs> because obviously uh, the guy that played Tarkin is dead. <laughs> it's not dead. de-aging. They just gave him another guy's face. Well, yeah. It's it, it, it's not quite... I mean, surely they could take some things from this technology into what we're doing now with de-aging, but obviously they had to create this character from scratch because this guy died... Um, only a couple years after episode six came out. So, um, not to, uh, we have to have moments like, we have to have moments like this to continue on into the future. But we said it, I I said it to my dad when, after I saw this with him in theaters and I'm saying it to you now, three years later, man, Gerald Tarkin looked really bad. (laughs) He looked honestly really horrible. Like speak, speaking of Tarkin, it reminds me of something that, uh, I wanted to point out, uh, going back to when, like at the beginning when we were talking about the tone the movie sets and the like total lack of hope and uh, desperation, um, the end because it, it shows up the fr- when they go to Jeddah and they blow up the planet. But I love at the end of the movie when the Death Star comes within range of the planet in the city, and it makes a solar eclipse. Yeah, I I, I love that, you know. You understand, you see a solar eclipse and you understand what that means in this movie where it's like, you're going to die. They're going to blow you up. You're going to be dead. Um, and just it, like when you see the second one, it just makes your heart sink. Yeah, there's so many little visual cues like that. that... Like it, it goes, it literally goes from the eclipse to a close up of uh, uh, Tarkin's face. Where he's just got this look of, yep, gotta blow it up. Well, yeah, you got it. That's something that makes little things like that. Like again, we'll I will never know how much of this film was Tony's reshoots versus Garrett's, but just thinking about it, since I said it out loud, he directed Godzilla from 2014. Yeah. Like, and it, it, this guy knows it, how to direct destruction and mayhem, and like it makes sense why he was brought in to make this specific story and i it's also understandable that like oh god we hired somebody way too dark for this like <laughs> that's well that that's something too that uh is interesting cuz i didn't know that until to like really today and it's interesting cuz I, I watching the movie this time the only one like critical thing i could really say about the movie that i'd never noticed before is it really knocks home the scale of the death star um the scene where the one Star Destroyer comes out of the shadows and then it just turns and looks, they just pan the camera to the left and they're lowering in the dish for the super laser. It it, it, it just nails. This thing is so enormous yeah. that it could be mistaken for a moon in one movie. 
not to not to really knock the other ones, but like I can't wait to watch these uh, older films now. Like, yes, there you can only do so much back in the time and back in the day, but just the the visual language that the directors have. Uh, like Ron Howard with this film and Gareth and Tony to more extent or not uh, with this film, like they do such a great job. They do such a great job of really making it feel like there's more of an evil presence, like there's more of a presence and there's more of a life or death kind of feel to like the actions that they're taking. Like, I don't remember ever having that kind of sense of fear when watching the other ones. Like, and maybe that's just the tone. Yeah. Maybe that's just the tones of the films, like not trying to be as dark and they're being more family friendly. Well, the, other one, the other ones, I mean, even empire empire is kind of the most hopeless of the original trilogy. Even then but it's not, even that. All, it's not, but yeah, but even, even, even that all three of them really are pretty hopeful movies. Yeah. We can beat the evil. We can beat this. And then, like, this one, it's like, you're screwed forever. Just accept it. Yeah, they definitely have... I, I mean, if, well... If you don't accept it, watch what Darth Vader will do to you. Yeah, I, I won't speak to the other films until we see them. But, like, no, I don't remember, to the best that I can right now, the tones of those films being anywhere close to what these were. Like, one in this reverse engineering order that they've gone through, like, I really like that they've kind of embraced like letting this a more appropriate tone be here than just the kind of like uh adventure film like a fun adventure like i'm glad that they wanted to have a little bit more maturity in it i I guess if that's the better way to if if that's the right word for it but yeah um uh we talked about tarkin and uh i honestly i mean do you have any other thoughts on this like no those 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 last two things, I was like, I don't really know how to fit them in. I just want to make sure that I put it on record that I like them. But yeah, I. Uh, you said sprinkles t- for your rating, right? Oh, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I. This movie's definitely sprinkles. My... Sprinkles. This is the cream of the crop for what Disney has put out so far. Um, if someone were to say, what's you know, what's a Star Wars movie that you could just put on watch you understand the circumstances and there's nothing you really feel like you need to have seen in any other in any other movie to like or get this one well i wouldn't say this would be like the first one i would show anybody but that is no 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 no, no, no. i'm just saying like if you were just like you can put it in and you don't have to think about anything that happened in any other movies this one yeah no there is that charm to it that it does stay fairly self-contained and it's not the end of the world if you don't catch any of the easter eggs like yeah it doesn't really it doesn't really matter Unlike solo where they just ram it down your throat till you choke on them yeah um i know like nick was saying this is this is definitely one of the better star wars films and i so far say this is the best one like we're watching them so far and uh i think it's time to take a quick pause and then we'll let you know the next film that we are going to recap next week all right everybody thank you for joining us on the brownie points guide to cinema star wars recap bonus episodes as always thank you to isla marfin of fugue for the music (laughs) we as we have been this whole series we are going in film narrative order which means that now that we have gone through the prequels and the anthology films, it is time for where, in reality, it all began. 
the original, the OG, Star Wars Episode 4. Christmas special. (laughs) 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 See, little moments like that make me wish we would tape some of these, like, together again, like, (laughs) in-game. No, like, I was trying to... Stupid geographical complications. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we are going to the OG, the original film from 1979, Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. When, when no one knew if this would actually become a thing. Oh my god, I am so excited to look at A New Hope. Um, I'm actually pulling it up right now to make sure that that was the right year. Uh, 77, my apologies. Was, oh. uh, yeah, 1977, A New Hope. I'm so excited. I honestly can't remember the last time I watched this movie, like, all the way through. It's been about a year. <laughs> It's definitely been more than a year for me. Um, I watch them a lot. Get off my case. Oh, no, that's I'm not saying that. I just for me personally, it's been a very long time since I've watched this all Dan, the way through. And I'm, Dan inserts uh, Buzz Lightyear's line. You're a sad little man, sad, pathetic little man <laughs> or sad, strange little man. Ah, uh, man. So, yep, that's what we got going on next week. We're finally going to be watching Star Wars A New Hope if you want to listen back to any of our other episodes solo was our last one then we also have revenge of the sith attack of the clones as their own episodes if you want to listen to our thoughts on episode one the phantom menace it is a part of our regular brownie points episodes uh that one is with the joker from october 4th approximately um and as we said at the top of the show we will continue on with one movie every single week all the way up to star wars the rise of skywalker Nick, let the people know where they can reach out to us with their thoughts via social media. You got three choices. You can do Twitter, you can do Instagram, or you can do Facebook. That accent sucks. Uh, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema (laughs) for Facebook, at Brownie underscore Cinema for uh, Twitter, and Brownie underscore Points underscore Guide for Instagram. We also have a Gmail, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Blame Dan for how long that is. And uh, I had nothing to do with it. And um, our profile pictures for all of our accounts is our show logo, the bowl of popcorn with a brownie in it. Uh, Follow us, like us, tweet us, whatever you do with Instagram. Um, And uh, make sure you send us emails for movie ideas, brownie brights, topics you want, movies you want, uh, stuff like that. Talk with us. And... By the way, I'm not going to cut that first part. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. Um, And if you're listening to us but have not hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do that, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com. Go ahead and leave us a star review and an actual written review as well to help spread the word. And uh, whether you've been with us since we started it or if you're brand new to the show and like it, uh, we appreciate you coming along the ride and just joining us while we just – talk about movies uh whether it's star wars or our regular episodes we are still releasing those uh alongside with these special bonus episodes we just we didn't want to make the time machine in our regular episode all star wars for two months so (laughs) or really three months almost um so we hope you've been enjoying these episodes if you want to like nick said reach out to us about these specifically or our regular show feel free to and just like i said keep spreading the word and hit that and smash that subscribe button um (laughs) That is all we got for our thoughts on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. We will be back next week for Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope.
we will that's oh oops sorry i was gonna say my stinger but yeah oh <laughs> okay <laughs> with that we'll uh, we'll catch you next week for our next star wars episode that's no review oh i get it ah. <laughs> yeah since they considered solo a flop which is kind of their own fault but we've already addressed that before <laughs> it's it's their own fault but they just they're looking at everyone else and they're like you yeah, it's the Rick and Morty meme. Well, oh, oh, look at me. He wrote me into this. Well, oh, that guy over there, he wrote me into this. <laughs> <laughs>